during this sermon. This is not going to be your typical sermon. Um, typically we serve communion um, during what is known as the Passover, the Last Supper. And we have chosen not to this year so that we can celebrate it together on Resurrection morning. Now what you need to know is that we serve open communion. And meaning anybody is welcome to take it. We are not here to tell you where you are at in your walk with Jesus Christ. We're not here to tell you who can and who can't, who qualifies and don't qualify. For what I do ask is that in the next few moments that you simply um, ask God to forgive your sins and start preparing yourself for um, communion. That's all I ask. I will not tell the parents if their children can take communion or not. That is up to you. Um, we are a Wesleyan-based um, movement, meaning that um, we serve communion with grape juice and uh, unleavened bread. In this case, it's a cracker, unsalted. And so those of us like myself who have 20-some years of sobriety do not have to break it to take communion. Uh, I will not give up uh, my clean head and, and my thoughts for nothing. And so it will be grape juice. Um, the deacons will be helping me this morning serve the communion. I am going to do it during the message. And so when we get to that part, what I'm going to ask you to do is just to get up and come down the center aisle. Uh, Brother Jose and Brother um, Tyler will be on one side. You will take the bread and you will take the cup. You will return to your view. Do not take it. We'll take it together as a fellowship. But again, I am not going to be telling you who can and who can't. Um, this is up to you. In the next few moments, you can make that decision. Uh, we won't look down upon you. We won't think that you're better than others if you do. We won't think that you're worse than others if you don't. This is really between you and God. It is a special service. Paul said that many people were sick and some were even dead because they didn't understand the power of celebrating what we're about to celebrate. And so I want you to take it seriously by the same token. I want to invite everybody. We don't care if this is your first time or if this is your last time here. You are welcome to take communion. Either case, sometimes the first time people say, I don't feel like I belong. We want you to feel like you belong. You are home. Welcome home. And those that are made up their mind, they're leaving this church and they're mad at the pastor and everything. Please come and take communion before you leave. So whether this is your first time or your last time, uh, join us in uh, fellowship with communion. I told Sheldon yesterday that quite often through at least my message, I will be saying he is risen, to which you reply, he is risen indeed. Amen. It was an early Christian greeting when they were walking in the community, when they were going in the market, when they were shopping, when they were mingling with the crowd. They needed to decide who was a follower of Jesus and who was not. And it came down to the central truth if you, whether you believe that Jesus had rose from the dead or not. And so they would quite often walk around and say, He is risen. And if the reply came back, He is risen indeed, they would know that they were among brethren, that they know that they were among family, that they were safe to talk about Jesus, that they, everything was going to be okay. If they said, He is risen, and they didn't know how to reply, they would simply move on and say, okay, this, this person doesn't believe in Jesus Christ. It was a simple way to find out whether they were in the faith or not by pointing towards the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I know that many of you will celebrate as families. You'll celebrate together this afternoon. Uh, maybe your children are here. Maybe your children are still at home. And you'll have different events and different things that you will be doing. And that is great. And that is awesome. And that is incredible. But don't forget the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That's what we're here to celebrate. 
That's what's going to produce the power that we need. There, there is a um, there is a death coming for all of us. There is no way around it. You will either go by way of the grave or you will go by way of the rapture. But there is no way to avoid it. I want to ask you something because I have a very close friend that is dealing with this very question. What if you had two months to live? What if God in His infinite wisdom had watched uh, the sickness attack your body and chose to bring you home and some doctor's wisdom looked at you and I'm not discounting faith but looked at you and said you have two months to live. What would you do with your time? What would you get right and what would you look at and what would you change and what would you get rid of and what would be a waste? For me, one of the first things would be Facebook. I would dump Facebook in a heartbeat. If I have two months to live, I ain't got time for that drama. I'm sorry. I'll be checking out. You get one last post. Don't mean to be mean or anything. I put one last post up there said, don't mean to be mean or anything, but you're not going to hear from me for the next eternity. I'll be done. There would be a lot of things that I would do different. There are family that I would spend much time with. There are, there are people in my life that I would pull close. There are people in my life that I would get rid of. There are people in my life that I wouldn't answer the phone for. There are people in my life that I would start answering the phone more often. Can you believe I hope my mom isn't watching? There are days when my mom calls and I look at the phone and say, I can't talk now. Okay. My mom, she knows it because she leaves a message. She's like, she'll look, look, I know you saw my call. Um, you're going to have to call me back now. Like, okay. You know, I mean, there's just certain people. You look, I ain't got an hour. I'm sorry. <laughs> now, if it was a 10-second call, maybe not. But, I, but I'm sure that my priorities would get in order. I'm sure that there would be phone calls that I would anticipate. I'm sure there are phone calls that I would make. I'm sure that there are people that I would get up and walk out on just to answer that phone. I'm sure that my job wouldn't mean as much as it means to me. I'm sure that, that things in my life would just seem to pale in comparison to eternity that lays ahead. What if you were given two months to live? I know that this isn't very Christian, but one of my favorite non-Christian songs is that we need to start living like we were dying. What if, like Jesus Christ, you know that you had three days to be dead? What if, what if you were like Jesus Christ and knew at the start of this week when you rode into Jerusalem that this would be the death of you? What, what if you knew, you knew, you just knew that change had to come. You're in Matthew chapter 16 verse 24. Matthew chapter 16 verse number 24. It says, it says this. This one sounds tame. I don't know. I'm going to switch mics. This, this sound better? This one almost sounds tame. Alright. Matthew chapter 16 verse 24 says this. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Everybody say, follow me. Follow me. Verse 25 said, And whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. Yes. And whosoever lose his life for my sake shall find it. I am trying to give you some answers this morning to why your life is so messed 
uh, why, why you're struggling with this or struggling with that. I am not here to judge you. I am not here to condemn you. I am just simply here to repeat the words of Jesus Christ that said, if you would follow me, if you would lose your life, then you will find everything you are looking for. Verse 26 goes on to say, and what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world but lose his own soul or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul how much you worth what are you willing to pay what are you willing to do I've often said this many times I I, I have talked to thousands and, and, and I, I try to be very polite but I have talked to thousands that have told me I don't believe in God. I'm like, that's cool, that's your, your belief, I'm, I'm glad you do. And they say, well, I think uh, Christianity is for weak, or, the, or um, I think you don't, you don't, you're not very smart if you believe in God. I, I, I don't try to argue or anything, but, here, but here, here's what I am. I, I, feel, I feel like this. I feel like if you and I, if you don't believe in God, and I do believe in God, if you and I get to our end of life and we find out that you are right, that there is no God, guess what? We both die the same way. We just go back to the ground and whatever your idea of death happens, happens, and we die the same death. But let's just say, if I give you a 50-50 chance of saying that you are almost 50% right, you have to give me the same chance to say that I am almost 50% right. Let's say that we get to the end of life and we find out that I am right and there is a God. Then we die a different death. Then I slip into heaven and live eternally with Jesus Christ and you slip into the grave and into hell and live eternally in hell. There is a difference. I am not a very um, very big on gambling. I am not going to take the risk. If you're right, we both die the same way. If I'm right, we die different deaths. It's a win-win situation for me. I, I, I love I love wisdom like that. I, I, I was telling I was telling some people yesterday in Sheldon, I heard a little story. Um, we were talking about how strong we are. You know, I, I have a son that's growing up, and at some point he's going to challenge me and say, Dad, you're not very strong. And I, I'm going to say, yes, I am. He's going to say, no, he's not. He may push me. I told my wife, I said, when that happens, you better call the ambulance because I've got to win no matter what. I was 18 years old when I did that to my dad, and my dad dropped my drawers in the front yard and spanked my behind in front of all my friends. I was 18 years old, I just got back from boot camp, and he went right back into the house. To this day, I am afraid of my dad. I don't care if he's 90 years old, I am afraid of my dad. He won the last time I challenged him. But there always comes that time. I love, I love the wisdom of the older generation. That uh, uh, There was an older man, uh, a grandfather, if you will, looked at his grandson and his grandson said, Dad, or Grandfather, I, I'm stronger than you. And Grandfather said, No, you're not. He said, Yes, I am. He said, No, you're not. And Grandfather said, I can prove to you that I am stronger than you are. The grandson said, Go ahead, old man, prove it. They were outside raking some leaves and doing some yard work. And the grandfather said to the young man, he said, watch. He said, I can put something in that barrel and take it all the way to the shed. And you won't be able to lift it and bring it back. The young grandson said, there's nothing you can put in this wheelbarrow that I can't lift and I can't move around. The grandfather said, yes to the grandson. There is something I can put in this wheelbarrow that you will never be able to lift. I am stronger than you. The grandson said, you're on, old man. Show me. The grandfather said to the grandson, well, then get in the wheelbarrow. I will push you to the shed. There was something he could put in the wheelbarrow that the grandson could not lift. 
Sometimes you just got to be wise in your choices. Wisdom will always outrule strength. And so this Easter morning, this resurrection morning, we're celebrating the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the grave. I've just got a couple more scriptures I want you to go to. Romans chapter 6, verse number 1. And again, we'll be serving communion in just about uh, in a few minutes. In the middle of my message, we'll let you uh, uh, partake of that. And then we'll go back to our seats and finish the message. I'm not a very intelligent man, but I find wisdom in this simple truth. If I would simply follow Jesus Christ. I tried for 23 years to do my own thing. I tried for 23 years, uh, 23 years to be my own man, to do my own my own stuff. And I found out how wrong I was in a very quick amount of time. But then I began to look at this Jesus and began to look at religion and look at faith and relationship and decided that if I would put my energy into following Him, maybe things could be different. And I found out it was true. Romans chapter 6 verse number 1 said, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Verse number 2 said, God forbid. How shall we that are dead, everybody say dead, dead. to sin live longer therein? And Jesus said, follow me. Verse number 3 goes on to say, Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus, were baptized into His death. Everybody say death. death. And Jesus said, follow me. Verse number 4 said, And therefore we are buried. Everybody say buried. buried. With Him in baptism unto death. That like as Christ was raised up. Everybody say raised up. Raised up. From the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so we shall walk in the newness of life. And Jesus said, Follow me. Verse number 5 says, And if we being planted together in the likeness of His death, everybody say death, death. we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Everybody say right, uh, resurrection. resurrection. And Jesus said, follow me. Verse number 6 says, Know ye this, that the old man is crucified with Him. Everybody say crucified. crucified. That the body of sin might be destroyed and henceforth we shall not serve sin. Everybody. Everybody can find relief. And Jesus said, follow me. Verse number 7 said, He that is dead, everybody say dead, dead. is freed from sin. Jesus said, follow me. Verse number 8 said, Now that if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. And Jesus said, follow me. And nine, verse 9 says, Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead is dead no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. And Jesus said, follow me. I want to pray with you real quick, but the title of my message simply is follow him. Or Jesus would say, follow me, him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for these sweet people. And God, we're not claiming perfection and we're not saying that we have it all together but quite the opposite God we're standing here as very broken and very hurt children saying God help us to find the light that you have promised God we're going to make a vow before this day is over that we will decide to follow you and then through you we'll find everything that we've been looking for we'll give you all the glory and all the honor for what you're about to do in this place in Jesus name we pray everybody said amen 
I've heard it many times. I've heard people tell me, in fact, just recently, when faith with situations like giving two months to live, I've heard people cry out, Pastor, I just simply want to live. I have sat at tables in restaurants. I have sat at tables in, in the church. I have sat at tables at work. I have sat around places and living rooms and dining rooms with countless of people that say, this is not living. This is not what life is supposed to be. I'm sick of this, or I'm sick of that. I can't go any further where I am. I, I, I just want something different. I have sat and listened to that conversation over and over and over in 20 years of ministry. People telling me, I want to live something different. But if you want to live something different, you must follow Him. If you want to change, you must follow Him. If you want something more than what you have, you must Follow Him. And the Bible that I read to you, the Scripture that I read to you this morning, we must follow Him in His crucifixion. We must follow Him in His death. We must follow Him in His burial. We must follow Him in His resurrection. If we plan to have something different, if we really want to live, if we're really to the point where we say it's got to change, it's got to be different, I can't take another step. I'm not walking out of this place, Pastor, into the same junk and the same garbage that I've lived in for all these years. It's got to be different. Then can I suggest to you a very simple message of following Him is the only way you'll discover the life that you claim you want. I've done many times, I've sat with many, many people over and over and over and say that there's got to be something you live for. There's got to be something you follow. There's got to be something you do. And yet I have seen hundreds turn their back and say, well, I'll try this or I'll try that. Maybe I'll try alcohol or maybe I'll try uh, going out to this. Maybe I'll go find a new person. Maybe I'll, uh, I'll leave and go this way. Maybe, maybe I'll try a new job. Maybe I'll try a new city. Maybe I'll try a new town. Maybe I'll run from this place and do something wrong. The problem is those things will never work. They cannot work. Why? Because you are the central of everything in your life. I often say this. I have a lot of people that come to me and say, Pastor, I have a problem with... I'm looking for a name. We're getting so full here. If I call your name, it's, it's by accident. I, Pastor, I'm tired of Jane. And I'm tired of Bill. And I'm tired of Tom. I think there is a Tom. Is there a Tom? Okay. I'm not I'm trying to guess here. We're getting so damn... You, you understand what I said. They got a problem with person A, and they got a problem with person B, and they got a problem with person C, and they got a problem with person D, and they got a problem with person E, and they got a problem. With, and, and nowhere along the line does it come to him that the common factor to all the problems is not person A, it's not person B, it's not person C, it's not person E or F or L or P. The problem that is common in all your situation is you. Now that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow. I understand that. I, I really do. And I'm saying in my life, I had to look in my heart and say, Doug Inger, you're the problem here. It ain't the job. It ain't the house. It ain't the city. It isn't where you're at or where you grew up. The problem has been and will always be you. Yes. Amen. So what do I got to do? I got to follow him. I got to eliminate the problem. I got to massacre 
the issue. I've got to slaughter the one that is causing all the problems. Isn't it interesting? And I, I just, I don't oh, help me, Jesus. I'm going to get in trouble. I love you. Please don't vote me out. I just resigned my job at Iowa Lakes so that I can become full time pastor. So don't get rid of me now. I got nowhere to work if you fire me. But you ever notice the ones complaining about all the drama usually are the ones that are creating all the drama? I mean, the ones that always say, I'm so sick of this drama. And I'm like, well, then learn to shut your mouth. You know what I'm talking about. They're writing on Facebook. You know, this. I'm tired of all the drama. If you people really want to know what's going on in my life and, and all this stuff, so I said, well, you wouldn't have published 10 posts about how bad your life is. They want to get rid of the drama. Well, the problem with the drama is you're at the central of all the drama. The problem with the drama, I'm talking to me. I'm not, I'm not even preaching to you. My biggest monster in my life is me. It, it, it's Doug Eager. It's crucifying this flesh. It's getting in this man's face. It's looking in the mirror at this face and say, Doug, you've got to change some things if you want this to become better. People come to me and say, Pastor, uh, pray that that, that so-and-so changes. I'm like, well, okay, I can pray that, but I'm going to first by starting pray that God changes you first. I, I want this fixed. Okay, we'll, we'll work on that, but, but how about this fixed first? You know, I, I, I'm going to get in trouble. We must follow Him in the crucifixion. We must follow Him in His death. We must follow Him in His burial. We must follow Him as a res resurrection. If we ever want to follow Him in that promised life, if we ever want to follow Him in that abundant life, if we ever want that new life, if we ever want to live that overcoming life, then you've got to follow the one that is willing to give it to you. Yes. I tried alcohol. Alcohol never gave me a new life. In fact, it made my life worse. I always say, well, I need some liquid boldness. I'm like, for what? To do stupid things? I mean, I, I used to drink with a crowd that someone, I won't tell you, oh, I hope you're not watching. I used to drink with someone that used to wet their pants for an hour straight after they drinking. And guess who got to carry him in the car to take him home and put him in the bed? Me. And that's life? Where are you grabbing to carry him? That isn't dry or that isn't wet. I came around the corner at one life party and someone was eating a tomato like an apple. Just saying, this is the best apple I ever had. You want to try it? So I throw it out. I'm like, that's living? I pray the same prayers you pray. I'll be laying next to a toilet saying, God, if you ever stop this, I promise I won't have another drink. God, if you just take this headache away, I promise I won't drink as much as I used to drink. The problem with that is that I wasn't following Jesus. I, I, I didn't have a direction. My compass wasn't oriented to any one direction. I didn't know where I'm going. If you want the new life, you have to follow Him. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. Here's what I've been preaching for the last couple of minutes. 
Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live not I, but, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. If you want to follow Jesus, you got to follow Him in His crucifixion. I probably made three or four people mad already this morning, and that's what I'm talking about that needs to be crucified. Yeah, amen. That self-reliance. Yes. That, that I don't need anybody to tell me. I, I don't need anybody to help out do this on my own. I, I fix this myself. That, that little attitude that we have that say, you know what, I'm alright. I, I just everybody else is wrong. If, if you got mad at all this morning, it's an indication that something hasn't been nailed to the cross. That, I'm going to be preaching about a nail in a short place, and I'm going to try to bring a cross in. I'm going to try to try to bring pads of paper in so you can write things and nail it to that cross. We got to nail that attitude to the cross. That that, that attitude that says, you know what? If everybody else would just fix their problems, then I would be okay. No, it's me. It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's not my brother or my sister, but it's me, oh Lord. If I can just get myself on that cross, if I can just crucify that attitude, if I can just get rid of that mindset, if I can just nail it down, if I can follow Him in the crucifixion. They ask me all kinds of questions. They'll say, well, Pastor, I, I've tried my way for years. And I'll say, well, has it worked so far? I'll say, no. Yeah. Well, yeah, wait, Jesus, I, I'm really going to make sense today. Listen, I'll Pastor. I just go from one bad relationship to another bad relationship to another bad relationship yeah. to another bad relationship to another bad relationship. And I'm like, you don't see the problem? <laughs> it makes me so angry as a pastor. Somebody will come to me and say, Pastor, I'm being abused. And we'll get them out of that relationship and we'll pray over them and we'll cover them and they'll be free. And about three months later, they'll come in and say, Pastor, I found a new person and they're beating me and they're abusing me. And I'm like, what's the problem? <laughs> That's just what I'm attracted to. That's what I define a normal life as. I wasn't feeling normal until I was in that type of relationship. The problem is you got to crucify that. Old things have got to go. The old thoughts have got to go. I, Pastor, I'm just sick and tired of being sick and tired. Well, when you get tired enough of doing the same thing you've always done, let's get that baby up and crucify it so it never comes in place again. I got so desperate. I got so desperate when we came in. I, I, I know that many of you know this. I got to a place where my wife was sick and tired of living with me. I got to a place where my marriage wasn't working, where, where she was depressed and I was struggling and drinking. I got to a place where I hated my job and hated life and hated everything. I got to a place where I said, I don't care what it costs me. It's got to change and it's got to change right now. I don't care who sees me.
Jesus, I'm tired of this. Are you tired enough to get rid of it then? Jesus, I, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Are you really to that point where you would get rid of everything you're doing at this point? If it worked, it would have worked a long time ago. You know what they call the definition of insanity. You doing the same thing over and over and over and expect different results. That's the difference of insanity. I, I, I need to confess to you that Doug Eater has a problem. He gets insane once in a while. I think maybe this time it'll work. Next time it'll work. I'll keep trying. I'll do it over and over and over and over. Think of maybe, maybe it's just my luck. Maybe about a tenth time it'll work. Maybe about a twelfth time it'll work. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's three strikes and I'm out. I, I don't know. Maybe I'll just keep doing this type of stuff. I am insane sometimes to think that if I would have done it enough that it would come to pass. That's not the problem. That's not the issue. It'll never come to pass. If it would have, it would have already worked. Why do we hate what's going on so bad but never willing to take the time to fix the problem? It's because we don't want to crucify what's going on. Why do we get so angry at where we're at yet never want to invest that anger into a solution? Why do we get to the place where we declare it's got to change and it's got to change now yet we're not willing to do what it takes to change it. That's got to be crucified. Before you leave today, it's got to go. It's got to be crucified. It's got to be crucified. It's got to be nailed to a cross. It's got to be placed in the hands of Jesus Christ. It's got to, got to, got to, got to. It won't work any other way. I've tried other things. I've tried. You know, I just heard this in the Spirit. I'm just going to nail this one down to the cross too. Pastor, I've tried other churches. You nail that to the print cross. You follow the church, not Jesus. I went to other groups and the people didn't accept me and I didn't fit in. It was because you followed people that nailed that to the cross. I've been to other religions. What makes your religion better than My religion ain't better than the other religion. My religion simply says it's not the building, it's not the person, it's not the pastor. It's a man named Jesus. I love Tyler very much, but there isn't anything Tyler can do to get me to stop coming to church and to stop worshiping right, Jesus Christ. Right, that's right, right. I love Jay Cruz very much. There's not anything. He can outdress me. He can outspill. I'm not getting offended. I am going to bank my relationship on Jesus Christ. He's the reason. I'm crucified. If we're going to follow him in his crucifixion, then we've got to follow him in his death. First, First Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 26, and we're about to serve communion here in a minute. So you need to prepare yourself. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26 says that Paul said, Jesus taught us that as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, you shall do, do show that you do show the Lord's death till he comes. It's a reminder of his death. 
The scripture here, by the way, says as often as we've done it. It doesn't say do it every week or do it every uh, weekly or do it every quarter or do it every month. It just says as often as you do it. My concern about serving communion every week is probably an issue that you don't struggle with, but Doug Ender can turn anything into a ritual. I can start turn anything into a tradition. I, I, I can get to the point where I'll start going through the motions. Don't believe me, sometimes I come here and sing the songs, don't feel it. I just sing it because the ritual says I've got to sing it. I, uh, sometimes I come here before church and I pray before church and, and, and sometimes I don't feel it. I just go through the ritual. But with communion, I know there's so much power in the communion uh, service that we're about to partake in. I don't want it to become a tradition. I don't want it to become a ritual. I want it to do what it was intended to do in my life. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, follow me in my death. And he said, when you do this communion service, when, when you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're going to show the death of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask the deacons to come forward at this point. And uh, we actually had to go get other plates to meet everybody. Why don't you stand with me just real quick. As they're getting ready, you'll, you'll probably have to take uh, the lid off first. And then somebody take the juice. And uh, the crackers are all the way to the bottom. So I don't know, you may have to set them aside on the table or on the, on the altar here maybe. All the way down. There you go, you just set those to the side. And they're going to step to the front here and just kind of stand there. We're going to take it together, but, but as, as you're getting ready, and again, we serve open communion, so this is up to you. I, I will not, we will not look down upon you or nothing. You don't have to be a member of the church. Um, again, if it's your first time or your last time, you're welcome to take communion. This is up between you and God. But here's what we are going to do, just for a moment. Just for a moment. Will you simply just bow your head and say, Jesus, forgive me and prepare me. God, I've got some things that have got to be crucified today. I've got some thinking that has got to change. I've got to nail that to the cross. I've got to crucify it. God, I've got some attitudes that have got to get rid of. I've got to crucify Would you help me today. Jesus, I truly want to receive the life, the abundant life that you have, the forgiveness of sins, the healing that's contained within this message. I, God, want to receive it, so forgive me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here's what I want you to do. If you would step to the two rows, if you would step to the center aisle in two rows, and then when you go back, go on the outside and come back around. So go ahead and step to the center, if you would at this time. Go ahead and step to the center. The center, and, and uh, you guys may have to get just a little closer so they can get it. Then take the, take the bread and take the juice. You might have to get a little closer, Jose, to Tyler. Yep, and then go to the left. Madison, go to the left. Go to the left, and then come. Oh, you're gonna, you, need the, you need the juice, too. You're going to take both. She's going to need the cup. And then you go stand right here. And then as they go down, you just keep going, okay? Stand right here. Alright, the mom's going, so you just go shuffle, 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 shuffle. Oh, you just keep shuffling. Keep shuffling us. Are you where you going, Madison? Alright, just keep shuffling. That's right. And you go around this side. You guys can go around this side. And you can just find back into the pew there, kind of where you're at. Alright, just go ahead and receive that. Jesus said, as often as you do this, you show the death. I want to follow him in his death.
want to follow him in his death. Want to follow him in his death. And if you just want to remain in silence and pray, maybe your life has gotten to a place where it's just got—it's got to change. Something's got to be different. I can't—I can't do this anymore. There's power, the resurrection available for us. serving communion also tonight in Storm Lake. We also have two baptisms tonight. Amen.
Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which I have also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night which he was betrayed, took bread. I I just feel right now we're celebrating the fact that we need to follow him in his death. I I just want you to close your eyes real quick. There's somebody in this room that just feels like they've been betrayed, they've been hurt. That somebody has done something. The same night that Jesus was betrayed, one of the twelve, handpicked by Jesus, Judas, whom he had just called, or who he'll just call friend just a few hours later, with a kiss, thou hast betrayed me, Judas. He took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance. Can, can you just do me something? We're, we're following him in his death. Are you, really, are, are you willing to die today? Are you willing to follow him in his death? Yes. Despite the problem that you brought in, despite the person that betrayed you, despite the situation you're in right now, the overwhelming, I'm not trying to take anything away, the hurt that you carried in, can you just offer thanks? Can you find something to be thankful for? Father, I thank you for my children. God, I thank you for salvation. God, I I thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, I thank you for a church that I can come to. I thank you for the relationship that I have with you. I thank you, God, for the hours of prayer where I can talk to you. I thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says that he took, took that, that bread and he broke it. The, the body that was broken you for you was for your healing. The blood was for your salvation. We'll, we'll take that in a minute. But, but I don't want you to miss this. The body was for the healing. Do you realize that when you're able to say thank you despite all the problems, that somehow that brings healing? When you can still have a positive attitude in a negative world, that somehow brings healing. When you can look despite your situation and find something to be thankful for, that, that, that can produce healing. So here's what we're going to do as a church family. We've given thanks. The body has been broke. I'm going to say, take and eat. For this is his body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance. Go ahead and, and take of the body. Verse 25 said, After the same matter also he took the cup, and when he supped it, saying, This cup is the New Testament of my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Here's what I want to do. I want you to hold the cup up. I want, to say th- I want you to say thank you, Jesus, for salvation. Thank you for heaven. Thank you for forgiving my sins. I thank you. I want you to take the cup and drink. And do this as often as you remember him. Amen. I want you to be seated now. You can just hang on to your cup if you...
it. You can put it if you want to put it in front of the cup holder. I'm going to give you a moment just to think about what just happened. A body that was broken for our healing. God, I can't do this anymore. It's provided for our healing. God, I can't go further anymore. I provided for your healing. God, I need you right now. It's provided for your healing. And the blood that was shed provided for your salvation. I often say this to many people. You and I need to realize that we would never be good enough to save ourselves. We would never do enough to achieve God's or earn God's love. It's earned. You can't earn it. But if we say that same statement, then we've got to confess and admit the fact that if we can't earn it, then we can't disqualify from it. That if we can't do anything to get it, then we can't do anything to lose it. What I want you to know is that God loves you right now, no matter what. God loves you. What He's simply asking you to do this morning is follow Him. If you're willing to follow Him, He can give you the life that you say you want. That's all it takes, just simple obedience to say, God, I'll follow you. That's really all He wants. He, just, he wants you. He'll take you just the way you are. Bruised, broken, battered. He looks at you right now with just as much love as He'll always have in you, no matter how far you go. Hallelujah. Jesus, thank You for the body that was broken for our healing and the blood that was shed for our salvation. Can I tell you as we follow Him in His death, now that you've got some thoughts nailed to the cross, now that you've got your mind made up that, that God, I've got to do something. I've got to change something. Something in my life has got, it's got to become different. And once you have done that, if you're going to follow Him in His death, it's got to go. It's got to go. It's got to die. Today, before you go home, it's got to die. It's got to go away. I'm tired of playing this game where I'll pray one prayer and say it'll change and it'll never change. I'm tired of praying the prayers where I come up on Sunday and lay it up the altar only to pick it back up Monday. I'm so tired of leaving things at the foot of the cross only to pick them up hours later or moments later saying, you know what, I was wrong. I'm going to take that back. It's, it's me. If, if you truly want to follow Him in His death, it's got to go. It's got to die. It's got to change. It's got to be fixed. It's got to be set free. It's got to go. You've got to let it go. God, I'm going to forgive that person. Don't come back and pick it up later only to hold something against that person. I want to follow you in the death. I am preaching the resurrection message to you. We'll get to the resurrection. Before the resurrection can happen, something has got to die. I often say this many times. Before you can know Jesus as a healer, you've got to be sick. Before you can know Him as the one that will move to mend broken hearts, you've got to be a place where your heart is broken. Before you can know Him as that Savior, you've got to be in a place willing to give up your rights to ownership and say, God, then save me. It's the only way you can know Him and what He wants you to know Him as. He wants you to know Him as Lord, Ruler, Deliverer, Person that will set me free. It's God. To go, it's got.
to die. It's got to go. If you actually study repentance out, you'll understand that repentance is truly the, the, the imagery of death. If you truly understand what repentance is, you've got to understand that it's the key component of the gospel message. If you want to receive life, if you want to receive change, if you want to get something different out of it, then you've got to be willing to die out to yourself and repent. If you look at the Hebrew, just the simple definition of the word repent, it simply means turn around. I'm going this way. It doesn't work, Pastor Saul. I'm going to go this way. That's repentance. But it includes so much more. God has created you for a wonderful purpose. And until you discover that purpose, you'll know it'll never truly, fully be repent, repentant. Because repentance says that I'm going to turn from what I was doing and I'm going to become everything you want me to become. And I'm going to walk in that. Everybody in this room has an incredible journey ahead of them. Everybody in this room has an incredible potential. Everybody in this room has got something in them that has got to come out. You have got to do what you were created to do and become what you were created to become. You've got to. You'll never be truly happy until you start becoming who you're supposed to become. And the repentant message says, I am going this way and I'm going to start becoming that person that he created me yes. to become. Hallelujah. Thank you. Many of you had so much many dreams growing up as a little girl, as little boys, and I, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, and they're wonderful and great dreams, and they're incredible and they're awesome and mighty. What happened to the little kid in you? What happened to the person that had all kinds of dreams and all kinds of vision and had all kinds of purpose? What happened to that little four-year-old or five-year-old that said, I'm going to do this? What happened to that little girl that said, when I grow up, I'm going to become this? What happened to that guy that said, you know what, when I get older, I'm going to do this? Where's all the dreams? You stop walking in that direction. You stop heading that direction. I'm preaching a, 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 a portion of this sermon about repentance. I was created to do this. And I have been walking this way. And I'm tired of walking this way. So today, I'm done becoming that person. And I'm turning my back on that person. And I'm going to become this person. A person with dreams again. A person with purpose again. A purpose with, with desire again. A purpose that If you are very honest, some of you walked in this morning, you're not happy with who you are. Then repent. Change. Repent. Change. I would love to see hundreds of people walk out this morning impacted by the good news that their dream isn't over. That they're to become everything God ever wanted them to become. And, and decide somewhere deep in them that today is the day that I start living and stop, and stop dying. That today is the day that I head towards the resurrection and stop walking towards the grave. We must follow Him in His burial. This, this afternoon, uh, um, I think Tyler and Jay and, and, and some of the, the, the people that are going to be over in Storm Lake are going to go check the baptismal tank out. They're going to go look at it and make sure it's still warm and make sure it's not leaking or any of those other things in preparation for two baptisms. Amen. 
Jesus said, uh, you can put it back up, Romans chapter 3, or, or Romans chapter 6, verse 3, and Romans chapter 6, verse 4. 3 says, You know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? And Jesus said, Follow me. And verse number 4 say, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death, that like um, as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we shall walk in newness of life. Yes. The best way to confirm that something is dead is to bury it. Just get rid of it. Just bury it. I'm done. It's over. The old man is gone. What many people forget in baptism is they never really studied out. Uh, Luke said it, and, and Jesus said it, that we need to baptize for the remission of sins. For the remission of sins. It means something. It's just not put there by accident. It isn't just put there to, to make it flow or flowery. It means something. There's still power in baptism. There's still victory in burying something. There's still obedience that needs to be answered through baptism. There's in his burial. I am excited by what lies ahead of us. We have baptized hundreds here. Tonight we're going to baptize two more. Amen. I can remember in that same tank just a few months ago standing in the waters while we only had intended to baptize one or two and by the end of the night 11 people had come up and we had baptized 11 souls in Jesus name for the remission of their sins. I can remember standing by the tank talking to Nate saying Nate this isn't this isn't a reward for being good. Nate this isn't a, a, a blessing because you finally achieved some level of perfection. It's not that. It's for the remission of sin and a sin sinner that says today is the day of the rest of my life and I want to put the old man down so that I can walk in the newness of life. Eleven have just been baptized a few months ago. What a powerful, powerful, powerful message to the enemy that today I'm going to bury the old man so that the new man can live. I love baptizing people. Tonight, Tyler is going to get the opportunity, and I hope that these ministers, as each one of them, take the responsibility of baptism very serious, that they understand what they're doing. It is the powerful, 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 powerful message of Jesus Christ that the old man, the old ways, the old things, the old thinking can be washed away. Peter said in his epistle, 1 Peter, it wasn't the washing away of the filth of flesh, but it was the conscience, having a good conscience towards God through the watery grave of baptism. Thank God we can follow Him in His burial. But what we're really celebrating, Romans chapter 8, verse 11, what, what we're really, really celebrating today and in closing of this message is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. That if you would follow Him in His crucifixion, if you would follow Him in His 
Listen to me. I feel like in this place there are some people that need to be healed. Communion can do that. When you recognize the body that was broken for you for your healing. By His stripes we are healed. By His stripes we are healed. By His stripes we are healed. Let me tell you something that this preacher believes. Sometimes it's the physical wounds that are the easiest to get over. But it's the emotional wounds that are hidden deep down inside of people that you won't tell anybody about. It's the mental scars that have been placed into your inner being that you're afraid to reveal into anybody. Let me tell you that Jesus even heals those. He told John the Baptist's disciples when they came to Him and said, Are you He or should we look for another? He said, You don't need to look for anybody else. Go tell John the blind see. Go tell John the deaf hear. Go tell John that the lame walk. But go tell John the broken he said, I'm Lord of both the physical need and I'm Lord of the spiritual and the mental and the need that you have in your life. I feel like in my, my, my spirit right now there are people, and I'm not going to make you raise your hand. You're not going to confess this to anybody. Nobody's going to know this. But there's some people in here that have been molested and, uh, and abandoned and abused and, and hurt in all kinds of evil and vile ways. Man should have never done to that to you. But thank God, Jesus knows. And today you can follow Him in the resurrection. And instead of being a victim, you can walk out a survivor. Instead of letting somebody hold you down, you can walk out and say, nobody's going to hold me down anymore. I've come out of the grave. Let me tell you that I feel like there's some people in this room that just want to say, God, I'm sorry. That's awesome. That's awesome. But don't walk out of here feeling sorry because once you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins and wash you of all your iniquity. There is power in the resurrection. You can walk out of here in new life. Here's what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let some of the people start coming. I'm going to keep swinging for some. I want you to come. If you felt like already God wants to touch you, you come to this altar right now. I'm going to keep working on some people. There's some people in this room right now that feel like they're just going to give up. Don't you dare give up. You're so close. You're so close. Yes, hallelujah. You're so close. You're so close. To me, to Doug Inger, the power of the resurrection was that I walked in one night with a failed marriage. And here I am now, 23 years later, married to the same woman, celebrating the power of the resurrection. What I thought was dead and over. What I thought couldn't go any further. Jesus reached out and said, I'll breathe life into it. And it will be more abundant than you can ever imagine. I truly believe in this room, as I look around this room, I've got the best marriage in this room. Not because Doug Inger is better. Not because I'm any better than you, but because I allowed the resurrection to reach into my marriage and fix it. And come on, that's right. Hallelujah. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, help me. God, I believe in you. If you don't do it, it's not going to get done. Jesus, 
I'm willing to follow. I'm willing to follow. I'm willing to follow. Jesus, I'm willing to follow. Without you, it's not going to work. Without you, it can't work. Jesus, if I ever needed help, I sure do need it now. If I ever needed you, I sure do need you now. What a better day than resurrection morning to have hope restored. What a better day to renew your faith in Him. What a better day to trust in Him.
Jesus Christ wanted you to be able to surrender no matter what language you spoke. And so when we sing hallelujah, it means God. I've had it. I've raised the flag. You win. I surrender. 